In today's show, I'm going to tell you about all of the big fantasy performances from Tuesday's action. And there was a huge, huge victory from the Boston Celtics over the Sixers, including maybe a consequential, that's the word, a consequential injury. Michael Bolton, that was a long intro. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Seven games on today. We're going to talk about all of them. We're going to look at waiver ads and drops. We're going to talk about the news. Uh, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, update. Paul George. Good. We got something of an update from Chris Haynes. And it's a it's an update that's an update, but not really an update. The update says, if the MRI on February the 24th, remember that first word, if the MRI on February the 24th is good, and if there are no setbacks, then Paul George would be ready to return by the second week of March. This does not mean that Paul George is ready to return by the second week of March. This means there are two hurdles still to clear. A, clean MRI. B, no setbacks in the interim. You might say that there's a 50% chance of both of those happening. And that's true. Maybe it's a 70% chance of both of those happening. That doesn't mean it's a guarantee. This is... I don't even know if it's good news. I don't even know if it's any news, in fact. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not anything, but it is something. If that makes any sense. Like, it's something. Oh, if this happens, like, if the MRI is clean, he'll come back. Like, no shit. That's what we assumed. We assumed if the... All right, Siri, I don't need to hear from you. Like, we assumed that if the MRI was good and everything was healed and he was ready to go, that he would come back. Like, that's sort of what we expect in that situation. And if the MRI is bad and it hasn't healed, then he won't come back. I. That's just what we knew, yeah? And if everything is fine from the MRI, then, yeah... Coming back into action after that MRI two weeks, it sounds about normal. It's good to hear it, but it's not like, oh man, this is sick. Like Paul George is coming back. Maybe it means that, but there is, there is absolutely no guarantee. It is a big if statement. It's a double if, in fact. If it's clean and if there are no setbacks. So don't get too excited. You're, it's, it's great. And we'll, we're still holding for that 24th with Paul George. We're not dropping, we're holding to see what goes on. Um, but it's going to have an impact on you, on your Terrence Manns and Amir Coffees and Luke Canards and Nick Batum's and Marcus Morris's and Reggie Jackson's and every bloody player on that team. We still don't have clarity. We're still, you know, a week away from actually hearing some news that will give us more definitive action. But there was an update. Pozingas. Pozingas. And Gafford are out again for the Wizards. Lucky that Chris Dapps is thoroughly healthy. I'm going to keep just saying that until he comes back. Um, so we're going to get none of them in that game. Of course, that's just what's happening. Um, and, and I don't think... The thing with the, with this is... I, I doesn't. It's fine. Like I didn't expect him to play when he was traded. I thought, hey, maybe he doesn't play the rest of the season. That was my worry. My issue with it is them coming out and bullshitting. Nah, he's fine. Hey, we talking about? He'll play straight away. And then miss three games. Like, why bullshit us? 
I fully expected him not to play in any of these games and honestly thought there was a better than 50% chance he wouldn't play again this season because of the bone bruise because of the direction of the franchise. Just don't bullshit to me. But they're both out again tomorrow. So we know that part of it. Let's look at the top ads in fantasy over the last 24 hours. Jalen Smith was number one. Well, I guess it sort of made sense considering he started today. The minutes weren't quite there. We'll talk about him a little bit more. Terrence Mann, yep, that's a really strong ad. Grayson Allen, another one of those ads that didn't work, but the theory behind it worked. I would still hold him. Jay Crowder, that's just a streamer for today. Duncan Robinson's a stream for today. Nick Batum, yeah, it's probably still just a streamer for today. Corey Kispert's for tomorrow. I don't really love it. I'd add Denny Avdia ahead of him, even KCP ahead of him, even Hal Neto ahead of him probably. I just think he's a really empty points and threes guy with not much else and doesn't do that in high enough volume or with high enough consistency for me to take a speculative ad when there are other options around. Lance Stevenson up nine. I guess in theory that made sense as well, but it didn't really pan out. Brandon Clark up eight. I'm not sure how he's available in enough leagues to be added in 8%, but there we are. And then O'Shea Brissett. And don't worry, I'll talk about O'Shea Brissett soon as well. The top drops, I'm going to agree with most of these ones. Alexei Pokyashevsky. Yeah, Wiggins came back and, and hurt his value. So see you later. I don't agree with dropping Isaiah Jackson. He's down 9%. That seems too much. I know it's annoying at the moment that he's out injured, but there is still obviously a clear opportunity here. I would wait until the All-Star break and then see what happens post-All-Star. Trey Lyles down eight. Why you are rostering him is beyond me. See you later. Thad Young down eight. Kevon Looney down six. Norman Powell down six. All of those make sense as drops. Shingun down six. Totally fine as a drop. Goga Badadze down six. Well made sense. And then he had one of the better games out of their big men today. So again, the confusion still reigns in Indiana, but it's fine to drop him. Totally fine. Um, Devontae Graham. We'll talk more about that. I'm going to jack him right off. At giggity. Um, later on. And the Duck, Luke Canard. He was injured yesterday, came back today. Well, we'll see whether that one makes sense or not when we get to talk about that game. But I'm going to talk right now about Price Picks because Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You love the NBA and you love using your knowledge to your advantage. So what's Price Picks? It's just daily fantasy, but on over-under props. The points lines out there, you look at it, oh, it's 20 and a half points. To, do I think Kyrie Irving is going to go over or under? You pick it. You can do points or rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes, fantasy points, whatever you want. And just go over or under. You get two to five players in a lineup and you can go 10 times return on your entry if they all cash. Simple as that. It's not just basketball. You can put multi-sport entries in as well. And for a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Um, let's go in and look at the games. That's easy. The Mavericks, big win for them on the road against the Miami Heat. Huge win, in fact, for Dallas to be able to pull off that victory. Um, they did it pretty easily in the end. 107-99 was the final score. For Dallas, it was just an absolutely huge game from Muxy Kleber. 35 minutes, 19 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 blocks. There are a couple of things in play here. We know that Kleber can do this. He is the 81st ranked player now over the last two weeks. We know that he's a good threes and blocks guy and there's extra opportunity. But the extra opportunity also came here because Reggie Bullock was out. So Finney Smith can push down a little bit more to the three, meaning there are more minutes for Kleber and Powell to play next to each other. Kleber is the clear better option over Dwight Powell, but he's not going to be this good every night. If you want to take a fly on him, by all means. 
And he will have these games. Then he'll have a game where he goes six and three with a block, and that's it. And you go, what's the point of this? But in general, he's playing pretty well. It was the de- the debut, the debut of Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, and Jalen Brunson played 39 minutes. 19, 4, and 6, two steals with three threes. Now, again, we can't fully say, well, his gigantic minutes are safe because Bullock was out, so he had to play a lot more. But 39 for Brunson, 23, and shitful play from Spencer Dinwiddie, I think gives us an indication that Brunson's going to be fine and we need to get uh, Spencer all the way up. Get that garbage out of here! Spencer had four points on five shots in 23 minutes. I just don't see it for 12s. They started Joshy Green in Reggie Bullock's place. He played only the 20 minutes. As I said, they went to a little bit more Kleber and Powell combination. Powell played 26. He had seven points. He's only a deeper league guy. While Bertans shot well, 12 points, three threes, but only played 13 minutes. So I guess we're just looking at him as a deeper league three-point streamer. Doncic, 21, 10, and 6. Not his best game. 26% shooting is horrific. 75 from the line's not terrible, but it's not great especially on the volume, and he had 42 fantasy points. Well, Finney Smith, 14 and 5, remains just that fringe guy. Again, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, he's great for a 12-team fantasy playoff. That's great. As a guy, when you're building in the regular season, I wouldn't say that he's anywhere near um, anywhere near a must-roster guy in that sort of a situation, just because, again, you're just trying to find that little bit of upside and maximize what you're doing, and holding on to a Finney Smith to try and maximize upside, those two things do not go hand-in-hand. For the Heat, Bam Adebayo, another big game. 21 and 12 with two blocks. While um, Jim Butler had 29 and 10 and Kyle Lowry, 13, 4 and 4. Solid games. There was no Dwayne Dedman. He was out with back spasms. So Omer Yetseven moved into the backup spot and just did what he does. 11 and 8 in 15 minutes. This is not an indication for you to go and add Omer Yetseven. I would, if I was Miami, I would keep him as the backup over Dwayne Dedman. But they've been going pretty well with Dedman in that role. So even in like an 18-team league, if I've got ads to burn or players to drop or an empty space, hey, maybe take a flyer on Yurt7. And maybe he sticks as the backup. But 50-50, he just goes back to getting DMPs. There was no hero. There was no Caleb Martin. So we got Gabe Vincent playing 29 minutes. He closed the game over Duncan Robinson, which is worth noting. For those of you for still some... I am sorry, kids. For some fucking reason... Why are we holding Duncan Robinson? What on earth has this bloke done to make us think he's a must-hold player? He's the 194th ranked guy this season. He's been shitful basically all season outside of like three games. Why are we still holding on to him? I tell you where you can find threes. Abso-fucking-lutely everywhere. And he's not even providing them. What are we doing? Why are we holding him? Robinson had five points in 20 minutes. Victor Oladipo, by the way, has been assigned to the G League team to do some practices. So his return is probably three, four weeks away still. Not anytime particularly soon, and I don't think his impact's going to be high, but that's just another issue there for looking for the Vincent Struess, Robinson, Martin. All those minutes are going to be um, mixed up, and a couple of people are going to have to miss out when Oladipo returns. Maybe Victor is one of those ones who misses out. We don't know that yet, because again, he hasn't played in a, in a year, and when he did play, he wasn't playing particularly well. Let's go to the next game. The Cavs lose to the Hawks, 124-116. Garlo, 35 minutes for Garland, 30 points, 8 assists, and 4 triples. He continues to be awesome. The 12th ranked player over the last two weeks, getting 46 fantasy points here. Well, I reckon Evan Mobley's all right. There, there are people who are still asking me, actually legitimately this morning just before this game, hey, should we just drop Evan Mobley? Like, no. Not, no, you shouldn't. 22 and 10, 4 assists, 4 steals, and a block. 53 fantasy points. Please, please don't drop Evan Mobley. Like, please. There's no need for it. It's blasphemy. Jarrett Allen had 14, 7, and 4. Well, Kevin Love, another guy people are willing to drop, and there's more of a case for dropping him, but 21 and 7 with five triples. 41% shooting. Marketing will have an impact on Love. Let's hold him and see how that all goes. 
Um, what if Karis Levert's not very good? And I know he's not very good, but what if he's not? Like, what if he's actually bad? That's going too far, of course. But nine points in 29 minutes. I think he's had one good game playing for Cleveland. That was when he started when Garland was out. And he has not done well in the bench roll. Nine points, 33% shooting, no rebounds, no steals, no blocks. We're not there yet, but he's not a top 100 player this season. I don't project him to be a a top 100 player from here on out. And when I go to reassess my projections after what we've seen here, I'm probably going to drop him a little bit more. And I'm not sure, he is now, I'm not sure he's going to remain a 12-team league player as we move forward. It has been a less than inspiring start. Rajon Rondo, zero points in 19 minutes, while Okoro had six points in 26 minutes. Those guys are obviously just deeper league players. The Hawks were without John Collins, so the Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my Yeah, good rebound from that performance on Sunday. He had 25 here in 33 minutes. Really good night. An opportunity again tomorrow for him. Well, Trey Young had 41, 3, and 9 as he continues to put up some really big numbers. 57 fantasy points. Kevin Herter, fan of pants, 13 points, 3 threes. He's absolutely fine if you've got him on a 12-team roster, and he's absolutely fine to sit on a 12-team waiver wire. And when other players return, he'll probably drop off. But I'll tell you who bloke who shouldn't be on a 12-team roster, and that's DeAndre Hunter. Yes, it looks great at the start. 18 points on 58% shooting. Finally, a game where the the ball went in. Two rebounds, zero assists, one steal. He just doesn't get it done. Really, anywhere. He'll have an occasional good scoring night, then some shit shooting. And I think we've all realized he's not a 12-team league guy yet. It might become it. He might be streamable, sure. That's it. He's not a 12-team must-roster player. Bogdanovich only had 10 points, but seven boards and four steals and two threes in 29 minutes. Some strong numbers for him. While Capella, second consecutive 30-minute game. 31 minutes while 16 for Okongwu. We see where the minutes are headed now. You can drop Onyeka Okongwu in 12-team leagues, not dynasty leagues. I think he's a top 50 dynasty player, maybe top 40. Not, you're not dropping him in those. But in a standard 12-team redraft league, you see later, probably even consider him as a drop in 14. I might, I might hold on to him. In a um, in a fourteen team league though, but you've got to consider that that is uh, that's trending towards a drop with the way that the minutes are profiling at the moment. We will uh, we'll see how that goes over the next couple of games, especially when Johnny Collins returns. But football's over, you know that. I know that. You're pretty dumb if you don't know that. Sorry, it's done. But basketball's in full steam ahead. Pro and college hoops. The latest odds, the latest totals, the latest player performance props. That's a hard one. It's all there at betonline.net, the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. I just realized that when I'm saying these these ad reads for these guys, I'm just really like rolling the words together. It's BetOnline. I'm saying BetOnline. BetOnline. Like, is that a word? I don't think it is. But I think you get what I mean when I say BetOnline is the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right next to the Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. I reckon I've started something there. BetOnline. All right, game three. Um, Do we just throw this one in the bin? We don't because there's a lot to talk about. The Celtics beat the Sixers by almost 50 points, 135-87. And the performance on the court doesn't actually mean that much. The Rock DJ Robbie Williams was out. So you look at Daniel Tice playing 20 minutes. You go, oh, 20 minutes and four blocks. That's interesting. Rock DJ was out and Al Horford got into early foul trouble. So while it's great that Tice is there, this is fake. Like he's not going to do this. He's just a deeper league guy. Tatum had 28, 12, and six, a really strong game. While Jalen Brown, the buy low bump, 
JB, you've done it again. 29 points, five triples and eight rebounds. Very, very strong performance. But the big news out of this game was Marcus Smart. He played 13 minutes and he had seven points. And he sprained his ankle on an inversion, stepping on Embiid's foot on a drive, and it looked pretty bloody bad. He was immediately ruled out of the game. There is almost no chance that he plays tomorrow. And then he's out for the All-Star break, which is good that the break is coming now. To me, again, I don't have access to his MRI. Shocking, I know they don't provide it to me. And I don't know at this point. This is an educated guess based on reactions and what's happened with the mechanism. This feels complete gut feeling, so take it for absolutely nothing. This feels like a four-weeker, maybe a bit more. It looked pretty significant. But the good thing is, again, we get seven days here where there's no games. So you're going to miss maybe one game, and he might be back in that time. All this does here is it elevates and strengthens Derek White's value. White had 11 points with a steal and a block in 28 minutes. And then deeper leagues, you've got 19 minutes for Peyton Pritchard, and you've got 23 minutes for Aaron Neesmith. They push into maybe the 16, maybe 14-team league discussion in the short term. Usage and assists will bump up for Brown and Tatum probably as well. And maybe get a little bit more playmaking from Al Horford. But the biggest impact there is going to be a bump in value for White, Pritchard, and Neesmith. They're going to be the guys who really benefit from that injury. For the six as well, this is just bad, isn't it? Um, Thibel had one point with one block. He missed all six of his shots. Rank, he is the guy that breaks rankings and not necessarily breaks, but exposes the flaws of why you should be very cautious about looking at rank numbers. Because his rank numbers are really high based on the low volume category, steals and blocks, which artificially inflates players' value. And especially if you're including turnovers in your rankings, which is a horrible word of you players, you look at him and go, oh, he's the 70th best player, but he clearly isn't. He, he clearly isn't. And if you viewed him that way, you will lose your fantasy league. And that is one of those arguments for why you know, I'm against talking about turnovers in terms of viewing rankings. Right? He just isn't that valuable. If you need steals and blocks, he's a specialist streamer. That's who he is. And he was shit out here, as was the whole team. Embiid had 19, 9, and 6. Got to the line a ton, but just not a great game. Toby Harris, the thick hogsman. Well, he was probably the thin hogsman in this one. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Um, 11 points. Oh, so wrong, wrong player. Um, six points in 28 minutes for him. Five rebounds, 29% shooting. You would hope you would have been able to get a sell high before Harden appears, but obviously not after that. Maxi had 11 on 11 shots. It was a shithouse night from him as well. He's going to lose a ton of value as we move forward when Harden returns too. So honestly, just a really, really disappointing and poor performance from the old... Um, from the old sixes, they were blown out basically from the beginning of this game. A very, very out of character sort of performance to see them uh, just be that bad from basically straight away. And the Celtics, absolute defensive demolition. That's Their defense is great. It is actually legit. And they're looking pretty good at the moment, the old Boston Celtics. The next game was an overtime game, and it was the Charlotte Hornets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really understand what's happening. I, I can't, you know, I can't look at this and go, why are we deciding that lineups with Montrez Harrell and Mason Plumley are the solution to our problems? Because that's what's happening here. Plumley played 36 minutes and Harrell played 34. That's 70 minutes. The game went for 53. So that's a minimum 17 minutes crossover between those two blokes. Seems too many, doesn't it? Yes, yes it does, Josh. 14, 17, and 9 for Mason Plumley. Now, I need the rewind button. Because I've got to go back and say, because yeah, Gordon Hayward's out, Cody Martin's out, Jalen McDaniels is out. 
So your wings are out. So you're playing PJ Washington almost exclusively at the four. And in some situations, you'll play him at the three. You don't have many options at the three, but you also weren't forced into doing this if you were James Borrego because you had a lightly used Cali Ubre playing 25 minutes on the bench. He could have easily played 40 minutes as your actual three-sized player on this roster. The only one outside of him and Miles Bridges. Like you could have done that. But you made a conscious decision to play Plumlee and Harold together. Now, they took it to overtime. Plumlee was a minus 14, though. Is there, Do we really need to see 36 minutes of Mason Plumlee? It was confusing. It does push Plumlee into 12-team discussions why these guys are out. Same with Harold. And, well, and PJ Washington played 33. He scored three points and had four steals and has been a consistent disappointment. But again, if we're going to be going big like this, there is some, um, there is some value in him. There is some value in him as a guy. That's just horrendous phrasing, but you know what I mean. Kelly Oubre. This is why we can't trust him. 40 minutes, 13 threes, you have a million points. And then on a game where they need wings, he has 11 points in 25 minutes, shoots 31%, and keeps himself out of the top 125 for the season. This is why he's been a guy that I've considered droppable so often. You stream him in, he has a great game, and he does this. He's just all over the place with a lack of consistency in production and in playing time. And in a situation where you think all these other guys are getting 40 plus minutes and him not playing that much, it's because of the lack of confidence that Brago has in him at times. Bridges was great, 28, 13, and 7. Lamello had 22, 9, and 6, and Rogier 25, 1, and 5. So good numbers from all of those guys. But the Plumley, Harold, Washington, Harold, yeah, Harold, that's his name. What am I talking about? Uh, Harold Washington situation is one that is confusing. For the Wolves. Townsy, 39 and 15 with four triples in 42 minutes. A great game. But the bad news here is Goose, Anthony Edwards. Sprained his ankle right before halftime, jogged into the locker room, never came back. Well, he came back. He sat on the bench. He was jumping around, like celebrating with his team, but didn't come back into the game. They ruled him out pretty quickly. I don't know if this is a good sign that yeah, he was jumping up. We know what adrenaline does, though, to ankle injuries, and it could really swell up here. Um... But the good thing is, again, we've got the All-Star break and you know, we hope that he's going to be fine. Yeah, you would highly doubt that Anthony Edwards is going to be available tomorrow, but we don't know that. I would just give him that day off, rest him all the way through to the 24th and go from there. With him out, Jaden McDaniel started the second half and went off. 18 and 6, three assists, four steals, two blocks. That is by far his best game. 46 fantasy points, really good numbers for him. Is he an ad? We've, we've seen ups and downs from him. He's played 26 minutes a night this season. He ranks 196th. So I wouldn't say that there's any lock that he's going to be this good. Yeah, but there's some stream value. The guy you've got to add is Pat Beverly. 15, 7, and 4, 3 steals, 2 blocks. You cannot, you can't ignore it anymore, surely. I don't know if you're doing it to take the piss or if the, everyone who's watching this show has added Patrick Beverly and the leagues that is available are the people who don't watch this show. And that is a distinct possibility. But I'm not sure why he's not getting any buzz. D'Angelo had 18, 4, and 11, which is strong. Well, Jared Vanderbilt, bar, the minutes came back. He had only 10 points and 14 boards. But 14 boards, a steal for Vanderbilt is solid enough. I, will st- I, would still, I would still hold him over McDaniels, even though this production from McDaniels is far in excess of what Vanderbilt does. But McDaniels has so many stinkers built in that I just don't trust that long. This is obviously, he's never going to do this again, Jaden. He'll never be this good again. This is maybe career-high numbers for him. It's possible, you know, in terms of fantasy production across the board. Maybe um, maybe I'm being hyperbolic there, but he's not this good. Whereas Vanderbilt has consistently been better than him all season. So I'm not sure I'd make that switch here. 
under the assumption that Jaden just does this all, all the time, which is not you know, a fair assumption. Malik Beasley continues to like actually suck. He's terrible. Zero points in 14 minutes while McLaughlin had three assists and Noel played six minutes. The elimination, the erasure of Jalen Noel from their rotation has been one of the more confusing, under the radar, completely irrelevant to most people things that has happened this season. Let's go to game five of the day. The Memphis Grizzlies, they, they, they don't care. They don't care who's in or out. Dylan Brooks is out. All right, cool. Jamarant's out. All right, we'll, we'll do it anyway. We'll get the win. And they did. 121-109 over the Pelicans. So without Morant, Tyus Jones steps in. He goes 27-109. Yeah, sure. 65% shooting. No worries. We'll just do whatever. We'll just kill him. Now, I don't know whether Morant's going to return tomorrow. I wouldn't think that this is an absolute priority to add Jones. There's 11 games on tomorrow. He's not likely to do this. And he might not even play more than 20 minutes. Because Morant might play. But it was great to see. Jaron Jackson, 23-7 and seven with three threes, while Brandon Clark, 23 minutes, 18-8. and eight. Another very, very strong game from Clark, who should be on a roster somewhere. Steven Adams put up some big numbers too, 14-13-5, and, and he's on a little nice run at the moment if you can deal with his free throws. He missed all three here. Wasn't a great night from Des Bain, who's had some struggles with the shot, especially. 11 points, 27% shooting, two threes, four assists. He'll be better than that. While the wave pool had 13-4 and four a steal and a block to Anthony Melton. With Morant out, that's solid enough. Like He's fine as a fringe 12er, but he's probably more of a 14-team league guy at this point. For the Pals, they continue to start the incorrect lineup, and they have lost three out of their last four games because of it. And by incorrect lineup, I mean they're starting Devontae Graham and not Jackson Hayes. But in this one, at least they figured some stuff out. Graham played 23 minutes, had four points on 17% shooting, and let's go Jack Armstrong. Get that garbage out of here! Yeah, see you later. It was a horrific... As soon as the trade happened, I said, look, this is a shocking pairing. It's an absolutely shitful backcourt pairing, and they should not start them. And I'm not the biggest fan of Jackson Hayes at power forward, but that's a horrific pairing. And we're seeing that really come to fruition. Hazy played 29 minutes. He had 13 and 5 with a steal and a block. I don't actually care if Hayes starts or not, but those minutes over Devontae Graham is what makes sense. So put him on a 12-team roster, and let's see if they they work that out. Um... CJ McCollum. How can I say this without being unfair? Like, the bloke's a hog. 30 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals. Completely just changed the entire flow of the offense. Brandon Ingram's a second thought now. Like, 18, 4, and 4 is still fine for Ingram. He still took 18 shots. But 18's not 25. And it's okay if you've got CJ in fantasy leagues. Like, the numbers are strong. 54 fantasy points here. But is it actually going to lead to this team winning? No. They played Jose Alvarado eight minutes. Jose Alvarado is better than Devontae Graham. Some of these rotation decisions don't make sense. We've got 18 Bill Hearn and Gomez minutes. That's a nice deep league situation, especially if Hayes is playing at the four. 12 and five for Billy. While Herbalife Jones, the minutes were still all right, but rough production. Eight and four. I would still hold Herb Jones. Still hold him. But McCullum, the usage and the ball dominance is... I think it's an actual problem. For the Pelicans, if he's going to keep going this way, that that is not a. What happens when Zion comes back? I think it's a. I think it's a real. I think it's a real problem for how they build their team, and his contract, and maybe lack of perspective. I, he seems like a great bloke, but that's not. I don't think that's a good recipe for winning basketball games. I guess we will see if I'm proven right or wrong. The next game. The Pacers and the Bucks. Good win for the Pacers. Uh, no, 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 no. Good win for the Bucks. 128-119. If you want to talk about confusion in Indiana, let's do it. 
No Brogdon, of course. Is he going to play before the All-Star break? Surely not. They play again tomorrow, so we don't know that. Turner's not going to play. Duarte's not going to play. Will Isaiah Jackson play? You would guess probably not. And we still don't know what the hell to make of this front court. O'Shea Brissett started, and as I said the last time they played, the dude has had literally two good games all season. And he put up some really big numbers. And people love to turn that into he's the second coming of whatever. He had six points in 27 minutes on 25% shooting. He is not that good. He was absolutely the right move to add him. But there's nothing is settled here in terms of rotation. He is not locked into good minutes because he, again, is not that good. Smith, Jackson, all these guys, the Red Rooster, they can take playing time away from him because, again, repeat after me, he is not that good. A couple of really good games, but it's not going to be consistently good. If I had him in a 12-team league, I would probably hold. Now, if Isaiah Jackson was on the wire, I think Jackson's a much better player, and I would switch him, even though Jackson's not playing. With Duarte out, they started a lineup with Brissett at the three and Jalen Smith at the four. Jalen Smith, you got 11-7 and seven with three threes. That's actually not bad. And then you look and you go, he played 17 minutes. Why? Well, he fouled out. That had the makings of an absolute monster. He is a better fantasy prospect than O'Shea Brissett by a significant margin. And again, if there's still uncertainty here. Tristan Thompson's played 15 fucking minutes every game for this team for reasons I have no idea what they are, but he's playing minutes. So we don't know what they're going to do with Brissett, Thompson, Badadze, Smith, Taylor, Turner, Jackson. It's too many names, man. There's going to be so much inconsistency, and we still do not know what's happening with Turner or with Brogdon. There's just so much up in the air. Bud Heald had 36 points with eight triples. Great game from him. While Halliburton was very sluggish early, but ended with 17, 4, and 8, and 4 steals. Some big games. Let's talk about the Red Rooster, who got 32 minutes here with Smith bowling out, with Duarte, Brogdon, Turner, Jackson, all those guys sidelined. It was a good game. 10 and 9. Would I add him in 12s? No. 14s? No either. 20? Maybe. But again, so many guys here. And then Goga plays 25 minutes. 12 and 6. With four assists, that's not a bad game from Goga. But again, I don't really think that we should be holding on to him. Do you have a clear picture of what's going on here? Because I sure as shit don't. I can't. The, these guys aren't good enough to say they must get the big minutes. If I had to, like, if I had to game it out and thinking how they could work and fantasy production per minute and all that stuff, it, let's assume Turner's gone. I think Smith and Jackson is the combination. I, I think it is. I think Smith's a better upside player than what Brissett is. He's a better player than Brissett. He's a better fantasy player. And Jackson's the best fantasy player of the lot. But there's a million ways that that can go wrong. So just be aware of that. For the Bucks, Giannis returned. Giannis and Tokatomatu. 50 points on 81% shooting. That's pretty good. He also was seven, uh, 14 of 18 from the line for 78%. Just a huge game. Middleton had 19 with 8 assists and Holiday had 14 with 8 assists. And Punch Bob, 6 and 14 with 3 steals. He shot horribly. This is what we talked about on the um, Buy Low Sell High show, that he was shooting at an extraordinarily high rate and was going to come down. He shot 21% here. Still productive. Still got to be held. Now, just cradled like a baby. Pat Connaughton was out, we know. George Hill was out. Wes Matthews was out. And then Grayson Allen left with a hip injury. That doesn't appear to be serious, but that means Jordan Wara is in the mix again. 26 minutes for Nora, 9-4-2. and two. That's probably just more deeper leagues, but he's in the mix again. Well, Lindell Wiginton, we go. 12 points with three threes in 28 minutes. Sure. Abaka played 24 minutes, 9-5. and five. We don't need to worry too much about him. And Allen had three points in 16. I would still hold Grayson Allen. There's still a bunch of injuries there. And he doesn't appear to be anything serious. But, of course, that could change if we get an update on that. 
All right, so let's roll it over to the final game of the day, the Clippers and the Suns. The Suns pull out the victory against that undermanned Clippers team, which has been so good of late, just trying to fight through all the issues they've had. 103.96 for the Clippers, but we're here to talk mainly about fantasy. And I believe it was yesterday when we talked about Terrence Mann having this game, and I said this is literally the best game he's had all season. He's been bad every game. And just watch for a drop-off. Terrence Mann had two points in 32 minutes. He did have two steals and a block, but he took six shots and shot 17%. This is the concern. Because there's man. I know I'm always going to do this. There's man, there's Batum, there's Morris, there's Covington, there's Canard, there's Jackson, there's Coffee. Like all of these guys can contribute. And it's just going to be whose turn is it next? Today, it was Batum, who had 18 and 7 with four triples, a steal, and two blocks. That's a really good game. You can stream him in. Luke Canard got hot. 11 points, three threes, four assists, 24 minutes. Reggie Jackson had 14, 2 and 8. Amir Coffey, I feel maybe the safest about saying he's not a 12-team league guy. Six points in 25 minutes with two steals, but I don't feel confident about it. If I added man, I would hold him. I would probably not consider adding Canard in 12. Batum is a fringe guy. Marcus Morris had 23 points with a steal and a block on 59% shooting, but he could have six points on 17 shots in the next game. It is just going to be a consistent all over the shopness. Now, Covington... The line looks all right. Six and eight, three steals and a block. That's really good. But he played 21 minutes. Do we believe that anybody's going to average three steals and a block with eight boards in 21 minutes? And your answer instinctively should be no, because that's correct. So it's all about the minutes. Now, I would hold Covington. I would consider Batum. If I added man, I would hold him. But I wouldn't be married to these blokes. I'd just be happy to move through and stream through because you're going to get these ups and downs. Players like Terrence Mann and Nick Batum and Luke Kennard and Amir Coffey, they're not good. They are average NBA players who will have the big game, they'll have a bad game, and the consistency will end up killing their overall value. So you know, the feeling of adding someone and thinking you've struck your diamond in the rough type stuff, it just doesn't exist for these players, especially when you combine that with the penchant that Ty Lu has for mixing up the rotations every game. Mann could be back in business next game. 16, 4, and 4. Two steals. He could easily do that. But he might not. Um, they're not playing Isaiah Hartenstein at all. I think he's doing okay on the court, but it doesn't matter if I think that. Because if he's not playing enough, you see you later. Four points in 14 minutes. Well, Zubats had 12, 13, and 5. Now, Zubats is still not performing at a sensationally high level, mainly because of some percentage inefficiencies. But he still probably is a 12-team league guy at this point. But again, he's just in that mix of guys who are on the fringe. All of these guys, do they even have one outside of Paul George... One top 100 player. Um, Norman Powell's the 92nd ranked player this season. And they don't have any top 100 players. That's that's just the way it's going to be ups and downs for them all season, unfortunately. For the Suns, yeah, pretty boring. Chris Paul, 17, 5, and 14. Look, he's really good. Devin Booker, 26, 3, and 4. Three steals and a block. Also really good. Mikhail Bridges, also really good. 19, and 9, and really stepped up his, off, stepped up his offensive game. Aiton, not quite as good as those other three, but 12 and 12 in 30 minutes is all right. And then you get to Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder and Tory Craig, who played 13 minutes. I think the 21 minutes for uh, Cam Johnson is not enough. I think you move on from him in 12-team leagues. In fact, Jack Armstrong. Get that garbage out of here! Okay, he's fine. He's had some strong numbers at times this season, but it's not consistent enough. And you put, that's the that's the Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris mix. That's the sort of player. That just floats around in that back end there. You're going to have on and off your roster all season. And you add him when um, Crowder is out. When Crowder plays, it's very, very hard to rely upon him. But the Suns are just really good, man. They play tomorrow. I don't know if there'll be any rests coming for these guys. But they are just really good.
Let's look at the lines of the night now. Monstrous goes to, of course, Giannis. Your waiver wire is Muxy Kleber. Your young gun is Evan Mobley. And your dud of the night is... I tell a man's not hot. Spencer Dinwiddie. The top 10 players today. Number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Followed by Jason Tatum, Trey Young, Carl Anthony Towns, Budrick Heald, Darius Garland, Devin Booker, Muxy Kleber, Miles Bridges, and Evan Mobley. The top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Kleber at one. Some 12-team streaming ability, but it'll be up and down. Tyus Jones, streaming if Moran is out. That's it. Jaden McDaniels, I don't feel confident saying he's a 12-team ad. Nico Batum, we just spent a lot of time talking about that. Daniel Tice, no. Neesmith, deeper leagues. Um, Gallinari, good stream while uh, Collins is out. Dean Wade, no. Luke Kennard, again, a, more of a 14-team league guy. And Bill Hernan Gomez is in that 14-team league situation. The top 10 players in points leagues today. We're looking at Giannis, then Towns, Tatum, Trey, McCullum, Miles Bridges, Mobley, Garland, LaMelo Ball, and Jaden McDaniels. And that, guys, will do it for today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.